All right, guys, welcome to the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Today, I have Daniel, how do you say your last name, Rosenthal? Close enough. It's a silent, okay. it's a silent, it's a silent H, so Rosenthal, but like Rosenthal, Rosenthal, it, whatever, whatever way it comes out, it comes out. It's totally fine. Okay, well, Daniel, um, <laughs> Daniel and I met in the comment section on Instagram mm -hmm. and struck up a conversation, and then I convinced him to join us here. So, what I know about you is that you are a weight loss specialist, mm -hmm. um, and you post on Instagram way more than I do. So, <laughs> um, from there, Daniel, please tell us who are you? Cool. Um, so I'm Daniel. I used to be an in-person personal trainer, which I began doing at the beginning of 2017 in downtown Toronto. So I've been in the industry for five and a half years at this point. Um, so yeah, I began as an in-person trainer for a large chain of gyms that I'm not going to mention um, because I don't know if they'd want me to or not. But anyway, it's a large chain of gyms. I really like working for them. So if anybody happens to know the, the chain that I work for, I have nothing they give to say about them. I'm really glad that I work there. So I was there from 2017 until um, 2020 when obviously things were happening in the world. I don't know if you remember what was going on back then, but something something happened anyway um so personal trainer i also um it's you know got myself some education in nutrition coaching so i'm a nutrition coach as well by precision nutrition and so i help people with weight loss and things that come with weight loss um things like strength training general day-to-day -day movement lifestyle stuff like you know getting enough sleep and drinking more water um and yeah nutrition coaching as well and my, my goal is to help people lose weight in a sustainable and a realistic way that lets them live their life and be healthy at the same time. So, you know, if somebody wants to lose 10 pounds in a month, don't ask me. Like, I'm not the person to work with that kind of thing. But if you have tried everything out there, you've, you know, you've tried the restrictive ways, you've tried the ways that made you hate yourself while you were doing them, you've killed yourself with HIIT workouts and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, people do that and they, you know, they see progress while they're doing it but then when they stop because they always stop because nobody can sustain that kind of lifestyle the weight comes back on sometimes with a few pounds for good measure and there's this endless cycle of like yo-yo dieting that's the definition of yo-yo dieting right it's going going extreme they're coming back to what you're doing they're going extreme they're coming back to what you're doing so the way that i talk to my clients at the very beginning is i tell them look my goal is to put myself out of business working with you because I want you to learn exactly how to lose the weight in a sustainable way, but also the skills to keep it off long-term that will also allow you to live your life, feel healthy and feel strong and just feel good about what you're doing and not have any kind of hang-ups around food or issues around exercise. So that's essentially how I help people. I love that. And I love, um, I could, I mean, I might probably go on a tangent on toxic diet culture at some point sure. during this conversation. Totally fine with me. I love, I'm looking forward to joining in. <laughs> I love the sustainability aspect because mm -hmm. so I'm also a personal trainer and that's mm -hmm. one of the things that like really good trainers focus on. Like it's not, I mean, there are, there are certain times where you need to train someone for a competition. You need to train them. Like they have a specific yeah, goal in mind. For and, sure one of the things that I'd like to point out is that you, and you said it yourself, like 
if you're looking to drop weight fast, you're not the guy. Like, mm. that, like there are coaches, there are trainers that are out there for specific things and yep. finding the right person for what you're looking for is imperative for your success. And when you're yep. doing it, like it took me a really long time. I have friends who are in like bodybuilding and stuff and it took me mm. a really long time to accept the concept of like cutting to ridiculously low body fat percentages. I'm like, that just can't be good for you. Um, yeah, and it, it isn't, let's be honest. But, it it's, but it's their yeah, sport, exactly. it's their sport. It's what they chose to do. They know the consequences. So I'm like, yeah, fair enough. You do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't do it because who the hell would I be to tell you not to do something? Yeah. Um, as long as everybody knows what the consequences, potential consequences and the potential drawbacks are, hey, like you're a grown adult, you make grown choices, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took me a long time. But there are people who specialize in that that particular mm -hmm. kind of cut or dieting or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I really like your sustainable approach because it is, it is what is going to help people reach longevity, which is really, right. Right. really the goal of health and fitness. Like the goal of being healthy is to be able to move longer, to live longer, to enjoy yep. life longer, mm -hmm. like to not end up being the, the people who, have to have someone help them get around when they're 70 years old like precisely right okay so what what was like was there one thing or a series of things that happened that you were like you know what this is this is the path I want to be on what was it, what was the thing it was basically my entire 20s Right. So my okay. entire 20s, trying all the extreme ways of doing things, you know, looking to athletes for how to train, looking to bodybuilders for how to eat. And it's only with like retrospect and being able to look back and think, OK, so that worked while I was doing it, even though I hated it. And then I stopped and I lost all the progress because that's what happens. Um, and if I want to be able to live my life and be social, I have to eat carbs. Okay, and I have to eat sugar from now to from from now and then, and I have to be okay with having alcohol every now and then. So this this whole way of doing things is I've realized that for me personally, mentally, it wasn't good for me. And yeah, and you can tell just by looking at me, I'm not a bodybuilding coach. I'm not a powerlifting coach, right? I mean, I strength train, and I'm you know I have an okay level of strength, but like you know, I'm I'm no powerlifter clearly. Like I'm no bodybuilder clearly, right? <laughs> I really want to ask you what you bench and squat and everything, but we can just tell me that later on. Okay. Oh, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But so, so anyway, like I slowly realized that the bodybuilding approach is fantastic if you want to bodybuild. Really, really mm -hmm. good if you want to bodybuild. And you can take principles from what bodybuilders do because who's better at losing fat than a bodybuilder, right? So you can take things, right? You can take certain things that they talk about, like the high protein thing they talk about, right? That's really important. Eating lots of vegetables, like green veggies, especially, that's a very important thing. But you can, most of us, what we as trainers would call the general population, right? People who mm -hmm. just want to be leaner, a little bit stronger and live a good life while also having fun on weekends and every now and then during the week as well, right? So general population, I, I consider myself like general population, right? I'm no specialist in bodybuilding or powerlifting. Um, 
So I'm looking at me and I'm looking at other people around me and the kind of people who follow my content online. And for people like that, people like me, um, we've eating carbs, right? That's, that, that's awesome, right? We want to eat carbs and we want to be able to enjoy ourselves on weekends. And we also at the same time understand that it's important to train. Okay, it's important to actually put in your sessions every week. It doesn't have to be anything intense or it doesn't have to take you three hours at a time for a training session. But if you can consistently two or three times a week put in 30 to 60 minutes of just general strength training and make sure that 80% of what you eat is nutritious, like you're eating protein, you're eating vegetables, you're eating healthy fats, you're eating carbs. The other 20% can come from wherever you want. Okay. And also what I found most of us general population, like we hate being hungry all the time. So all mm -hmm. of those super restrictive diets are just not sustainable for us long-term. Okay. So like I thought, you know what, I've tried all this shit in my twenties um, sorry to curse. I'm not sure if you, if you, oh, no, no, go for it. Okay, cool. So I've tried all this shit in my twenties. For me, it was shit for somebody else. It might be a great way of living. Like I fully acknowledge that. Right. So just because I say something on Instagram doesn't mean that it applies to everybody all the time. Okay. We all know that. Right. But for me, I'm talking very specifically to my audience. So if you're a bodybuilder, and I say that, you know, it's okay to eat ice cream even now and then. Well, if you're preparing for a, for a contest and you're a bodybuilder and you've got to be three and a half percent body fat on stage in two weeks time, you probably shouldn't have ice cream. That, that's part of your sport, right? Right. So I would say, so there's a couple of things I want to touch on there. Sure. One, you, you said general population doesn't like to be mm -hmm. hungry all the time. As someone who's in a, a weight-based sport, we don't like to be hungry all the that's time. Fair. That's fair. But... One of the things is like the difference is we keep talking bodybuilding, but powerlifters cut too because sure. you have to make yep. weight. To make weight, yeah. Um, but one of the things is one, it's not consistent. Like you're not consistently cutting. Yep. Two, so you're not you're not hungry all the time. Like you you have this thing in your brain where you're like, I have to be at this weight so that I can compete, so that I can be in my sport so you have yeah. a timeline of like okay i have to yeah. allow myself to be hungry for this window so that i can do this other thing that i'm working towards it's, it's a very specific reason yes. yeah it's not hunger for forever because right. then we'd all be cranky assholes <laughs> um <laughs> two um i'd like to touch on so what i always talk about is and it comes from a, a pet peeve of mine, especially mm -hmm. after going through like eating disorder recovery was mm -hmm. that there's people who are like, oh, well, that's empty calories. I'm like, no, yeah. there's, there is no such thing as empty calories. Calories are calories. There mm -hmm. are suboptimal calories and most people don't need to eat optimally. No. Most people like even even athletes, like really high end athletes don't eat optimally because they put in so much work like the definition of work that they have to like there's not enough optimal calories that are going to replenish them that's yeah. why michael phelps training for the olympics could eat like eight large pizzas by himself in a day <laughs> plus whatever the hell else he ate because yeah. his body needed all of that to replenish him because he was literally just training constantly and but people again like so go ahead 
oh yeah, again, he's trading for a goal. When mm-hmm. he's when he's not preparing for the Olympics, he's not eating like that. He's not yes. working like that. And that's yeah. one of the things that I think is like, especially in the the Instagram world where you know everyone just sees people's highlight reels and assumes that everyone on Instagram has abs all the time and they're not posing in fantastic lighting or haven't cut out water or any of those things. Like they assume that there are people who look like that. And it's not that there aren't people who look like that, but it's a very small percentage and you have no idea what they have done to their body, what, like what restriction they're in and all of the other things that may not be good Mm. to get to that level. And so people, it like gives this false idea that we're all just supposed to walk around with really perky butts and six pack abs and just like being cut all the time. And it's unrealistic. Yeah. I, that, what you were saying then just, just like put two different thoughts into my head. So first of all, the phrase, you can't out train a bad diet. Sometimes you can, if you're an extreme example, like Michael Phelps. If you were a very extreme example, but that isn't even the 1% of people. That's the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of people who do that, which is basically no one watching this. Okay. Like (laughs) they could be like, you know, like nobody who's watching in in any of my stuff, like nobody, nobody in my audience counts as that. Right. However, side note, Michael Phelps, if you hop on here, like, please say hi. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) Prove me wrong. That'd be great. I'd love that. Um, And the second thing that you maybe think about was, like thinking that people look like that all year round. And I often talk to my clients about the example of Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. Mm-hmm. There's that one shot that's about three and a half seconds long where he's got his shirt off and he looks amazing. But for that three and a half second shot where he's basically just standing still, he started training for it to be that lean around three or four months ago. He's got his personal trainers training him. He's got his own personal chefs. He's got nutrition people who are telling him exactly what to eat and when to eat it. He has a huge financial incentive to look great, like literally millions of dollars to look that mm-hmm. good. Then you got to think about like, what else is he doing the rest of his time? Nothing. He's doing nothing, right? This, this is his job. His full-time job is to get in shape for that one shot for the months leading up to that shot. And then for the week before, he's using all kinds of weird like dehydrating effects that, you know, the boxers and MMA fighters would use and perhaps even powerlifters to use to make weight. I'm not an expert, you know, not some an expert people, in that, like, but yeah. some people. So the, the dehydration techniques, then you have um, on the day of the shot, you have the lighting as well. Mm-hmm. That's going to make him look even more ripped than he is. Not to say that he's not ripped, but he even more ripped. And then you have the post-production where they're going to, you know, not give him a six-pack in the post-production, but they're going to make adjustments to the lighting and the brightness and the saturation difference, different colors to make him look, look even more ripped. So that's all that work for a three and a half second shot. And then we all think that he must look like that all the time. When he doesn't, he's in great shape, Hugh Jackman, the actor. He's in great shape for the rest of the year, but he is not that ripped, that lean, that jacked for the rest of the time. But we get this false impression that he is. Right. And there's actually been a lot more 
um, discussions about that in Hollywood because that's become yeah. that's become the new standard, right? I, I was watching yeah. a show that I watched back in college ten years ago. Just saw it on Hulu and I was like, oh man, I'm going to do this. And like guys are walking around shirtless, but they look like normal people. Mm. Whereas if they made that show now, every guy in that show would be expected to look like a bodybuilder, right? Yeah. And that's just one thing that's changed with, I mean, Instagram. I feel like I'm aging myself right now, but whatever. I'm as old as I am. And <laughs> um, and like, yeah, like we've come out with all of this visual media and mm. So people, again, they think that that's supposed to be the norm, so they work towards that norm. Um, but there's been a lot of talk in Hollywood because it's not just you, Jackman. It's yep. um, it's all of them. It's like yeah. every oh, Avenger, yeah. every, mm -hmm. like, every shirtless thing. And there's been a lot of guys talking about how it is, like there's always been the, the um, unsustainable beauty standards for women, but now yep. it's, like it's very much gone into yeah like what's expected of men and um because it's not it's not easy to put on muscle at all like, no i mean i look like this and i train that. really hard I've, I've been training hard for years i don't look like this i mean like come on yeah. it's really hard to build muscle <laughs> really hard well and it's and then there's things um there's a friend i train with and he's he's a smaller dude um mm -hmm. and i mean he's five four he's like he's a very slender build and he's like i want to get yeah. bigger i want and like people compliment him all the time on how much muscle he's put on yeah. but i'm substantially bigger than him because i'm a bigger human being than he is sure. and that yeah. is yeah. the other thing that like people need to realize and i think that's something that mm. um well one i don't think it gets talked about enough and mm. we have you know the ideal beauty standard which is an ideal size of a human being, you know, yeah. guys are supposed to be six, two and 200 pounds with muscle. And I don't know, that's just what I've heard. Um, <laughs> I've heard that there's like a lot of things about women who are like, how tall are you on Tinder? And if you're not a certain height, they won't talk to you, which I think is ridiculous. Thank God um, I'm too old for Tinder. Thank God I was too old right? in a relationship before that, before that thing came along. I'm so happy about that. Sorry, sorry to um, interrupt you there. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I will be honest. After my divorce, I tried it once. I was on it for like two weeks and I was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> like, not I, even. I, could, oh, I can't absolutely even imagine. Not. I can't even imagine. <laughs> no. That. No. Um, but yeah, and then like we have this, and then, you know, women are supposed to be smaller than men and slender and all of this stuff. But the fact of the matter is humans come in different sizes. Like yeah. not everyone, like it does not matter how much you train no offense to you you're never gonna look like thor bjornson he's like never, what six, never, eight never. and like even when he cut down for boxing he's still a very large yeah. man <laughs> like, yeah and yeah it's yeah and there then i have like friends and it depends on you know where your descendants from like there are there are taller populations, there are shorter populations, there are smaller populations and wider populations. Mm -hmm. Like, and if we get to this point where we can one, accept that humans are all different, like we're all mm -hmm. unique in some mm -hmm. sense, but then I think the, like a really big key, and we can take this back to weight loss too, is that mm. like your your journey is not going to look identical to somebody else's journey. 
Like you can eat the same thing as your favorite athlete. You can train exactly like your favorite athlete. You can do all of it. And you're not going to look like your favorite athlete because you don't have the same body. Yeah. And like, you could have every other thing. Like, I wish they, I mean, they may have, and I haven't paid attention, but like do um, like studies on identical twins and have them go through all of the same process and see if they're exactly the same. And then like change the process just a little bit and see how they change because they literally have identical DNA, right? Yeah. And even they, like I, I have a couple of pairs of friends who are identical twins and hmm. they aren't exactly the same interesting and like and lifestyle comes into that yep but Mm -hmm. yeah I think I don't know it's just it's all very and then the other one that that bothers me is people who are like oh it's as simple as calories in and calories out and I'm like (laughs) if it were as simple as that there would not be degrees in nutrition (laughs) if if it was that easy yeah for sure you would not have yep. to study a lot <laughs> to yep. be able to go through this. <laughs> the way that I think of it is pretty often, and I went through this as well, people often go through this weird kind of like pattern or, or path with how they think about weight loss. Now, most people start off with, oh, it's just like, you know, you got to eat less, move more, right? That's mm-hmm. what people often begin with, right? Or like calories in, calories out. Okay, same, same kind of thing. And then... A lot of people, and I went through this path as well. Maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of people as well, they go through the whole thing about, okay, we've well got to, oh, you got to cut out carbs. You've got to go keto. You've got to go carnivore. You've got to go vegan. And then once you've gone through that phase, you kind of come back to eat less and move more, but in these very specific ways, because it isn't that simple. Because it ultimately comes down to you know you're either in a calorie deficit and losing fat or you're not but it isn't as simple as just reduce your energy load and that's it and reduce how much you move because it's nowhere near that simple the kinds of things that you remove or not remove but you reduce in your diet and the kinds of things that you increase in your diet and the the ways that you move are all very important to making it sustainable does this is that sound like a thing that you've maybe have like have experience with 100 percent yeah i mean there was i mean there was the obvious like yo-yo dieting right yeah um but then it was and honestly it took me until going through eating disorder recovery to like actually Mm. work with a dietitian who was like we need to make sure you're getting nutrients and actually focusing on making sure my body is getting what it needs Mm. and when you do that like so my story and it's been said on here before, but hmm. um, like my thing was always peanut M and M's. I would get, I would get so hungry, and then I would just like binge on peanut M and M's because my brain's like, they've got fats, they've got carbs, they've got protein. Like they will mm-hmm. stop my sugar crash, like, and get me back on track and whatever. And then, like they were my vice, right? And when I started actually eating like not restricting and eating good healthy food and it's not that I didn't eat healthy food before but I would also restrict my healthy food Mm. um and then I mean that's where restriction and binging kind of you restrict and then you overeat and that's um 
yeah. Anyway, so because your body is hungry and mm. like anybody, this is the thing I tell people all the time. Like if you are getting in a fight with your body, like your instincts, you are going to lose. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's at some point, so going, true. That is so like, true. Your body's entire purpose is to survive. Yeah. And if you keep trying to do things like it, it's not as simple as this word, but if you're starving yourself, if you were restricting mm -hmm. to the point where your body's mm -hmm. like no more, right? So yep. the, um, what are the words here? Um, brain, come on. Um, <laughs> anyway, like starvation mode, right? Sure. That's a myth because it's not, it's not that you're eating too few calories that your body holds onto it. It's that mm -hmm. you eat too few calories. And there are literal people who will black out and not remember what they ate because their body is like, fuck you. I'm eating food. <laughs> I didn't actually know that. That's interesting. I hadn't actually heard this I mean, before. People actually blacking out and like forgetting that they ate. Yeah. I mean, it's, okay. it's more on the like extreme side, but sure. especially sure. Um, in like binge eating things like that. People don't remember because wow. you're, you're traumatizing your body. Like you are. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, but that's the thing is your, your body will get what it needs. And one of yeah. the things I talk about a lot is like building trust in your body, actually recognizing your hunger cues, mm, because yes. if you don't know what hunger feels like, you can't serve your body. And your job yeah. is to give your body what it needs. Mm. Like, because all of your systems are going to continue to run and produce the energy that it needs. Mm. But it's going to ask for things and you have to know yep. what that asking sounds like, because if you, if you ignore it, it's going to start screaming. And that's when you get mm. that like intense hunger where you go to binging and things like that. Um, this is a tangent off of what you had talked about and I'm trying to get back to it. No, um, but this, that's really good. So keep, keep talking. So there's a thing that I wanted to mention, but please continue. Oh yeah. So, but coming back to like adding new, like adding better nutrition in and making mm. sure that I had what I needed yep. instead of restricting. Um, I like, it's not that I stopped eating peanut M&Ms altogether, but then I would eat them as a treat when I wanted them. And it wasn't sure. like half a bag of like the party size, you know, yeah. it was, I actually want to eat these. And sometimes I would get them and I'm like, actually these don't taste that great. So like mm. people always think that intuitive eating is like, you just eat whatever you want, whenever you want. And then like, you're going to eat cake all day, every day. But even people like, I feel like anybody, I love cake. Okay. I love sure. gummy worms. Me too. They're delicious. Yeah. But if I eat them all the time, I feel like shit. So like, there's your the intuition thing. there, right? Yeah. Right. You will when you start to listen to your body and do all this stuff and feed it what it needs. So mm. consistent, sustainable movement, nutritious yep. food. It's like, you're going to crave that. You're like, man, I feel mm. a lot better when I eat two cups of vegetables every meal. Like, yeah, I feel a lot better. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> and when you feel better, like you don't want to go back to feeling like crap. Exactly. 
Yeah. So I, I didn't mention at the beginning of this call that in my early twenties, like I, I was like pretty badly overweight and I was a chain smoker. I smoked two best, two packs of cigarettes a day. My diet was basically a hundred percent. Some people would call it junk food. Some people would call it bad food. I call it now less nutritious food. It was like a hundred percent that kind of food. Um, and I felt bad all the time, but I didn't realize until I started making changes to my diet and I stopped smoking and I started moving well. That's when I realized, oh, I felt like shit for the last four years. Okay. I didn't realize, but now I can really see it. I was actually, I was going to say something just like that. I had, so, and it goes, it can go for anything. So on this topic, Hmm. as humans, we don't know what we don't know. So like, if you, if you have only experienced eating less nutritious food, not moving very much, feeling like crap, like you just, Mm. you just think that's how you're supposed to feel. That's normal. Until you feel something else and you're like, oh, that's like, I can be different. I can feel better, but -hmm. you don't know what better feels like until you get there. And it's, I had the same conversation in the comment section with somebody somewhere the other day because mm-hmm. um, they were talking about like, um, like, I don't know, it was, it was on a different podcast, but it was, they were talking about like some guy said something about how he didn't realize that women just let men not put in like effort in the bedroom and just accepted that. And I was like, you don't know what you don't know. Like, <laughs> it's the same reason why people who grow up in abusive environments end up in abusive environments because that's what they know it's the right. same like it you can literally apply it to every aspect mm. of life mm. you until you actually learn something new your brain has no idea it exists yep. so until you start down that journey of like okay i'm going to eat healthier i'm going to move more you don't know what daily movement feels like like you assume it's going to be this big difficult thing and that's in part to you know again instagram and being like hey do this fat burning workout just that just Mm. looks like it's gonna awful like awful right awful yeah i i hate it i hate (laughs) it uh like i know there's a purpose i know people who love it but i used to teach it but i hate it (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> um but i think okay so on that topic mm. i know um i've seen this on your post too but let's discuss the idea of neat because sure. i think that's something that just would help people in general um yeah. now i have to remember what the acronym actually means sure do you know off the top of your head yeah you do it I'm a, <laughs> okay i'm gonna pitch so- it to you so NEAT, N-E-A-T, means non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, burning calories through all of that movement that isn't a workout. That's what it is, yeah. right? Um, so standing and cooking and cleaning, that's NEAT because you're moving around burning calories. You know, I think technically speaking, going for a walk isn't NEAT because you are intentionally doing it. In my head, going for a walk is neat, okay? But like, you can, you can right. consider it a workout, if you know what I mean, right? So getting the steps, you know, the walk that you would do going from whatever, from your home to the to the bus stop and then going from the bus stop to the office, that's walking, but that's 
that's just a part of your daily living, right? So that would for sure be neat. But going for like a one hour walk maybe wouldn't be considered neat. Whereas, you know, I don't know about, I think you work in a gym still. I, I work exclusively from this room right here. So I have to actually intentionally get more neat. Um, mm -hmm. And did you want to talk about the role of neat in, in like weight loss for like longevity or for what? All of it. So, cool. well, one, the concept that, so, um, neat when it comes to weight loss is actually way more important than like your intense workout. Yes. Um, it is, it is essentially keeping you moving, right? Um, humans are, we have evolved to move. I had, I'm going to nerd out just because I think you might like this. If I can find this article cool. I read like three years ago, I'm going to send cool. it to you. Um, but it was all about how humans have evolved to move. And like, if we mm -hmm. stop moving, our systems start shutting down because yeah. we like, we're like little biological machines <laughs> and mm -hmm. you got to keep the gears turning. Um, yeah. But one of the things like, so there's a lot of ways that you can add neat into mm -hmm. your life. So having a standing desk, um, yeah. actually going, like going for a walk. I know mm -hmm. it's, it's not like exercise or whatever. Like I would argue if you're walking your dogs in the morning, that's, that's your dog's exercise, not your exercise. And I sure. say that because I, I don't get a good workout walking my dog. I get a good arm workout when I walk my dogs. Yeah. They are not very good on a leash. Um, but it's not me putting my power into it right yeah um yeah. parking further away from the doors at a store so that you have to walk a little bit further it's just getting that little bit of movement in mm. throughout the day it's um it's making life more difficult for yourself so you can think of it that way park further yeah. away take the stairs right get stand up get um get a standing desk you know making life a little bit more difficult for yourself usually involves doing more movement and like mm -hmm. getting off the bus, I stop early. Getting off the train, I stop early. Um, yeah, all that kind of small stuff that you mentioned, making your life a little, little bit more difficult in that particular sense. That's a great way of getting more neat without really putting too much effort into it. Right. And I think, so I like that you said making it more difficult, but I'm going to counter that and say, it's how you make your life easier in the long run. Like yes. it might take a little bit longer, but mm -hmm. if you can think about, so if you can incorporate more consistent neat into your day-to-day -day life and mm -hmm. feel better moving, that's less like intense effort that you have to put into a gym, especially if we're looking general population. Yep. If you, if you are training for a competition, you still have your training that you have to do, mm -hmm. but that's separate. Like I ride my bike to teach my classes at the gym that I work at. Um, and that's, it's not a, it's not one of my workouts, right? It's recovery, mm -hmm. if anything. It's just like me kind of getting everything warmed up for the day. But when I do my training, my training is very separate from the movement that I do to get to my training. Sure. Um, and yeah, and I just think, so it's super helpful with weight loss because that's what's mm -hmm. going to increase like it that eat less move more concept right that's a lot more movement 
that's because, where you want to move more the neat yes right um because you're again your body's a machine and mm -hmm. even like waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom that's neat yep like that it's literally any movements you have to do and one of i mean there's studies all over the place talking about how being like a sedentary lifestyle is way more deadly than smoking right mm. Mm -hmm. um but then you also look at it so i have a standing desk which i do most of my work from um but humans like in general especially in america people have really tight hip flexors people have really weak glutes because mm -hmm. we sit too much and if you yep. sit less and you stand more and it doesn't have to be all the time like stand-up desks mm -hmm. they go up and down so like yeah. you get tired you can sit mm -hmm. and then you're like oh man i need to move around a little bit and it's great for me yep. i have adhd so i fidget all the time mm -hmm. um which is why i got it in the first place but like it's these tiny little things that you add into your day that can make the biggest difference. And then yeah. to take that to longevity, again, we are meant to move, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a move it or lose it. If you continue using your body, your mm -hmm. body is going to continue to be able to move. If you stop moving your body, you are going to lose the ability to move like that. And that's um, the classes I teach right now are there are a lot of seniors and mm. it's like one of my biggest pet peeves is senior fitness where they're like, okay, well, you're old, so you could only do this. And I'm like, no, like up your weights. You could do more <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, it's well, one, it's a mindset and keeping going. There, there's an 87 year old woman who deadlifts more than me. It's ridiculous. What does she deadlift? Like 400 something. What? It's more than me. Yeah. My three, 385 is my best. Jeez. Oh, yeah, my. it's insane. That's crazy. Um, 87. Wow. Yeah. And she didn't start lifting until like her 70s. Um, and that's the other thing. You can start anytime. That's, yeah. that's health, that's yeah. fitness, that's literally anything in your life. Like, mm start whenever if you yeah. hate your job leave your job go do something that you enjoy because this yeah. is your life and like if you're not enjoying it nobody else is going to <laughs> precisely you you maybe think of something when you said that making the decision to do the neat is the difficult choice in the moment but it is going to give you the benefits in the long term have you heard of um you know tim ferris or naval ravikant are you aware of those two people um vaguely Cool. So Tim Ferriss wrote a book famously called The Four Hour Work Week. He's like a Silicon Valley guy. Um, and Naval Ravikant is an angel investor, and he's got a fantastic book um, called The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. So anyway, these two guys share a personal trainer who is this old school Polish guy um, who does, does not take it easy on them. And he's got a saying, which I think you're going to like. He's got a saying that's always hard choices, easy life. Easy, mm -hmm. easy choices, hard life. And that is precisely what you're saying, right? So in the moment, you've got to make those hard choices because it's going to make it easier for you in general for the next 10, 20, 30 or more years. Yeah, and I I love that because it's true. And it's, yeah. again, it's not just fitness. It's, it's everything. 
Like yeah. you, you can keep yes, going. Literally everything. You can, you can keep going to the job you hate every day and get whatever your hourly pay is, and you, mm-hmm. uh, you can keep doing that, and it's gonna be fine. And you're gonna work for the weekend and overindulge and do whatever you're doing, and it's gonna be fine. Um, yep. You'll survive until you don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But if you make the hard decision to say no, I'm sick of this. I want better. I want better for myself. Yep. I'm going, like, I'm going to pinch pennies and I'm going to, like, really look at my budget to see what I need to do to Mm. go back to school or to start my own business or to do any of those things that are really fucking scary, especially in life. Like, we have this idea that you're supposed to be at some level of life by Mm -hmm. whatever age you are um and that's just not true most people go through like five different careers in their lifetime and most people don't use the degrees that they got at least their first round in college Mm -hmm. um it's just well one expecting you to know exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're 18 years old is just ridiculous that's a joke Um, that's a joke yeah. yeah um and it also assumes that you never change and you are constantly changing. We could have this conversation tomorrow and it would be entirely different because yeah. we're a different person tomorrow than we were today. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, choosing, choosing the hard. And mm. then I'm going to, it's not a counter, but an addition to that. Because sure. I think sure. this is the part that is left out a lot. Um, I rant a lot about grind culture, like the like just keep pushing, right? Yeah. No pain, no yeah. gain. Um, and one thing that I that I would really like to get more people to understand is mm. that rest and recovery is just as important as the work you put in. So we're talking about like, yeah, move more, move more throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like get your workouts in, eat well. But if you are tired, rest. Yeah. Like that was probably one of the hardest things for me to learn. I still do two a days most days of the week. And so it's still difficult for me. <laughs> um, yeah. But more is not always better. More is yeah. like there's there's a point where, yeah, you can add more, but it starts to be detrimental to what you're trying to do. And whether that's weight loss or um, building muscle or um, building strength, any of it. Or again, Mm. if we go into life, like if you're working your ass off all the time, you literally will be less productive. If you look at, so America is one of the few like developed countries where we're like, like not I mean, the minimum is 40 hours a week, but the average is 60 to 80, but they're less productive than like yeah. Spain, where you take a siesta every afternoon because they understand that rest mm-hmm. is important. I yep. studied abroad in Morocco in college oh, nice. and they like they were very stern about their tea time. Like they were probably the most productive people I've ever seen. Hmm. They like things just like you would look away and turn back and just things were done. And you're like, how did yeah. you do that? It was like a bunch mm-hmm. 
like little old men who, you know, in America, people look at them and go, well, you can't do anything because you're an old person. But they're like Hmm. carrying sheets of limestone down a mountain on their back and doing whatever. But they said tea time and all of us American kids were like, oh, we'll keep working. We're fine. And they came and they grabbed like the tools out of our hands. They were like tea. It is tea time. (laughs) We're like, okay, fine. We'll drink some tea. And but they're very strict. Like when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. Because if you get adequate rest, the amount of energy you can put into the active things that you do increases dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's super important to again, I'm not countering, I'm adding on to this. Mm -hmm. Um it's super important to have enough self-awareness mm-hmm. to know whether, okay, it's appropriate for me to either pull back and focus on my rest or to, or to push harder. Right. So if it sounds like, yeah, if like in that situation that you were describing, definitely the right move to pull back, take a rest, listen to what they were saying, because in that situation, they were absolutely right. Um, and I guess in training, if your training isn't going how you want it to go, you need to have that level of awareness to think, okay, well, is it because I'm not sleeping enough? Is it because I'm not taking enough days off? Or is it because I'm not working hard enough in my training sessions? And the answer is going to be different according to different people. Now, I guarantee that for you, it seems like it's never going to be that you're not working hard enough in your training sessions. That's That's the the impression I get. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. There's been been a couple of times. There was um during the school year I substitute teach a couple days a week and there was one day where it was just a really long day I went in for my training session and it took me like half an hour to just like get in like get ready and I sat there and I was like I'm not going to be able I'm not going to be able to put in a good training session if I try to push through this I'm going to injure myself which is happens a lot if you are if you're overtaxed if you're fatigued if you're exhausted whatever words you want to use um and you're like well there's a difference between the concept of like some movement is better than no movement and if you're so again it's going to depend on what your training is right Mm. like that day like maybe going for a short walk around the block would have been great would have gotten the blood flowing would have gotten a little bit of recovery and then rest but my training session was like heavy deadlifts and I was like this is not going to be good and it's like you said it's that awareness of okay am I and I don't I don't even allow the word lazy in my household Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but so am I am I fatigued and I need to change it up so it might not be not doing a workout but having that that ability to recognize that what you have programmed might not be what's best for you today and you need something that's lighter or it's you know don't do the heavy reps don't do don't do all the sets get get one set in so that you're doing something that you're getting the blood flowing or Mm. drop weight so that you're not going to hurt yourself um so that you're doing something, but 
and there's those times that yeah something is better than nothing yeah but then there are those times where sometimes and and i'm not going to say it's nothing but sometimes Mm -hmm. what you need is like a a good restorative yoga session right like you need some good stretches do some stretching Um, have a steak and get a good night's sleep right yeah yeah because that's the thing is that's not nothing having a really good meal that has all of that nutrient all the nutrients Mm -hmm. that you need that's not nothing that is something it's not seen as like part of your training because Mm -hmm. it's not the active part but it is 100 imperative to how you recover and um and then going to the good night's rest right if you're sleeping like shit you're training like shit and Mm -hmm. you're probably eating like shit yep and the easiest and for me it's always been like sleep is probably the hardest one to manually fix right like Mm. if i'm eating if i'm not eating well i'm not sleeping well like even if i Mm -hmm. try to i just thrash around right yeah so for me it's always like the easiest variable there to adjust is food because Mm -hmm. i can i can change up my training but my body's going to kick into like it's going to throw some adrenaline in my body and I'm not going to be able to sleep because I had to push through the workout or whatever. But if I get really good food in me, that's going to help me get a good night's sleep, which is going to help me be more effective the next day. And then you just try to get back into a proper cycle because those three things are just so imperative to just having an enjoyable life. Yeah. Like (laughs) taking a day off or focusing on your recovery instead of going to crush yourself with a, an intense workout. Maybe that's what you need so that you can be more consistent when you zoom out and you look at the big picture. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you as a personal trainer, you know, I used to work in downtown Toronto as a personal trainer. And so most of my clients were like in law or in finance, you know, those kinds of jobs. And part of what I, I've quickly figured out that part of my job for the first few minutes when they were doing the warming up will be to ask about how their sleep was last night Mm -hmm. and will be to ask about how their day's been. If they tell me, oh, I got three hours sleep last night and I've also been in meetings for the entire day. I'm like, okay, we're not going to do any kind of box jumps right now. We're not going to do any kind of heavy five by five stuff. We're not going to do anything that's going to require a bunch of different coordination. We're going to just basically superset a bunch of very, um, simple movements we're going to superset a, a, a goblet squat with a half leaning cable rope okay we're going to just do the very basic stuff right now uh, we're not going to do any kind of like overhead weight to carry and like risk you like doing something that risky to your shoulder so we're going to adapt the workouts to to your as you're feeling right now so i can't tell you how often i would have to multitask for those 10 minutes of, of um, warm-ups and like you know going through the walk through the wall but also i've got to change this on my ipad i've got to change this exercise and so half the time i would say have to make it up on the fly because I knew that what I had planned wasn't appropriate for them. And then other times they come in, I had eight hours sleep. I had a day off work today. I feel awesome. Okay, cool. Let's put those five by five deadlifts back in. Let's bring back the athletic stuff today. Um, and I guess this is again, what you would do for your own training. You would have, and it's always way harder to self-analyze than it is to analyze mm-hmm. what somebody else is doing, like always. 
And that's why you're way more likely to injure yourself than you are to injure a client, right? Because you've got the, the benefit of being the third person, right? You, you can see what's going on there. Um, and so you're having that level of awareness that us as trainers have for our clients. We've got to do whatever we can to try to bring it back to ourselves. And also, you know, whoever's listening to this, to think about how you're feeling on your own training. Like if you were up all night because your kids kept waking up and you had a really stressful day at work, maybe a HIIT workout isn't what you need right now. Maybe you do some simple strength training and you make sure that you leave two or three reps in the tank at the end of each set so that you don't push yourself, but you still do something that's going to be beneficial to you. Right. Um, and then also to your, your point earlier, that's why coaches need coaches. Like most, yes. most people who coach in some aspect have someone who coaches them in another aspect. Like yeah. I train people but I have a powerlifting coach myself because yeah. like you said, I will fuck myself up. <laughs> she, she looks out for me. She's like, don't be an idiot. I'm like, okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. If you say so. <laughs> for sure. So. Yeah. All right. For sure, so, yeah. Is there anything else before we go into our random questions that cool. you would like to put out into the world? <sighs> I think we've covered a lot, huh? Yeah, I think we have. We've had a, yeah. a good conversation. <laughs> okay. Do you want right or left? Um, left. Okay. Your question. What is your animal totem or what would it, or what could it likely be? Sorry, what is a totem in this in this context? So in this context, it would be what is I'm my spirit animal? Like, yes, yeah, spirit animal. Okay. That's a good question. Um, I've never thought about it. You've never uh, thought about it? Never thought about it, no. Um, <laughs> I guess perhaps a cat because I can be an arsehole. Um, I like spending time on my own, doing my own thing. But every now and then it's nice to be social with other people. Okay. So you're talking like house cat. Like yeah. A yeah. Yeah. Cat. Not like, okay. yeah, like domestic cat, not like a tiger or lion or anything like that. No, like I mean, like yeah. an actual house cat. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's a difference, right? There is. I mean, they're yeah. both felines, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's see. My question if you had the time to support a cause, what would it be? Um, I always go to suicide prevention, um, mm. which, so there's that, um, eating disorder recovery. That's a big yep. thing. We never actually, in this whole conversation, we didn't talk about toxic diet culture. We, we both said we were going from, to. We talked about the unrealistic expectations. I think we touched on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but we didn't like dive into toxic diet culture. We'll anyway. have to talk again then, huh? <laughs> and we'll really get into we, that We time. might have to do that. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, suicide prevention, mental health, um, yeah. eating disorder, um, self harm, all those things mm. they go together. Trauma, trauma is sure. like mm -hmm. my thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, second question for you Is there mm. anything memorable you did in the first 20 years of your life that you would like to do again?
anything memorable I'd like to do again? I guess, yeah, at college, I spent nine months living in Paris. It'd be cool to go live in, live in Paris again for nine months. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. I think I was just about 20, so that counts. Yeah. <laughs> if not, just lie on your resume. <laughs> um, okay, so mine is, what do you think elders can teach us about living our lives today? That's a good one. Um, the, the easy answer is everything. Um, yeah. Especially if you look at like who are elders right now. And I'm thinking not just like my mom's age, but even older, yeah. the amount of the world that they have lived through is mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Like I look at me yeah. and like the amount of technology that I've lived through in my life blows my mind. And then you go back to like people who are elderly right now are back like literally sliced bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, my grandmother was born in 1925. So I yeah. think that was like, I think she would have had radio when she was a kid, right. right? But I'm pretty sure that there weren't telephones in her house when she was growing up and that kind of thing. And I'm almost certain that there wouldn't have been like indoor toilets, right? So she grew up in like a fairly, fairly poor area of London um, yeah. in, the, in the 20s and 30s and 40s, lived through a world war, um, lived through the whole 50s, 60s, 70s, television, um, international travel, just seeing the world grow increasingly smaller and just social attitudes as well. Like think about how mm -hmm. women were treated in the 20s and how gay oh. people were treated in the 20s and how people who were like not white treated in the 20s. Like things are bad enough for them now, like let alone like a hundred years ago, right? So I right. just think what she's seen and what she's lived through, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think... So one of the things that actually pains me, I only have one grandparent left. And um, one of the things that pains me is not having the ability to like learn about our heritage from my great, like my great grandparents. And part of that mm. was um, when my great grandparents came to this country, they like self assimilated because, so I think just very specifically of my mom's grandpa, um, cause they came here from the Ukraine and Bohemia and like they were escaping that whole situation. That's just, you know, repeating itself. Um, mm. But they were very specific of like, their kids weren't allowed to speak Ukrainian they like they didn't want people going around telling them things um because they were like we need to become american because we don't want like we don't want to be treated as the other anymore mm. Mm. and it's like it's sad to me because like i want to know like the language and they want to know all the stuff and i have one uncle who's like yeah i know some stuff but like our grandpa was really very adamant of like we're starting a new life and so yeah. it's that's one of the things for me that has always been like a bittersweet kind of thing because there's the technological aspect and all of the change that's happened in their lifetimes mm. 
Mm -hmm. um, but the social aspects and just the history of where we all came from, because to me, that's like something I'd love to nerd out about. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that's all of those things. Yeah, I I know what you mean about that. Yeah, like my great uncle, so my grandmother's brother, um, like Jewish, but like tried Mm -hmm. to assimilate into British life, right? So like, that's what people used to do, right? Like even like Hollywood actors from like back that generation, they would, they would yeah. if they were Jewish, they would change their name because they didn't want to be known as like Jewish because a lot of anti-Semitism then. Um, so like to the point where they had to change their names. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, which is just a, a sad state of our world then and now because i mean i'm sure it still happens okay your last question cool what are your thoughts on resilience in a relationship on what sorry resilience in a relationship what are my thoughts on resilience in a relationship i mean there isn't a relationship without resilience is there i i 100 agree <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a it's a necessity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm I'm married. I've got a one year old daughter, and yeah, we're we're not. You know, there's always disputes, like mm-hmm. in any kind of relationship. Like, I'm not saying that we're always dis- in a state of dispute, but there are differences of opinion all of the time. But if we didn't have a resilient relationship, we wouldn't have lasted for this long. I think it's a thing that if you don't feel that there is resilience in a relationship, like I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Right. I agree. And I think for me, um, I talk about this a lot, but like relationship isn't just romantic, like your Mm. friendships, if your friendships don't have resiliency, they're not going to last. If your relationships with coworkers don't have resiliency, like that job's not going to last it's I mean Mm. resiliency plays a part and again when like humans we are very unique and we are very self-serving which is Mm. not a negative thing it's how we survive it's how we thrive in the world but Mm. figuring out how to do that with other people is like the key and it does it Mm. takes a lot of resiliency to mesh your individualness into the rest of the world and come out the other side hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. So i 100% agree with you yeah and i guess this you could even bring up like the whole the polarization of u.s culture especially mm-hmm. it's the same thing in canada um the uk too it's some you it's i see it on both sides of the political spectrum so i'm not going to pick on either one but yep. just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't make them a bad person right you because almost always they've they've come to that conclusion from a from a good place so even if you think that they have like an outrageous conclusion i mean there are obviously limits right if their conclusion yeah. is like to be racist and that yeah we, we that's not a like a good thing obviously but you know um just because some just because somebody doesn't agree 100 with what you're saying doesn't mean that they're a bad person nor are they saying that you're a bad person 
I just think, okay, I, I think this way, that you think that way. Um, and again, I, I think with the left and the right, they need each other, right? The, the right needs the left to stop the extremes of the right from pulling the right to too extreme a place. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for the left, right? The, the left needs the right to stop the left from being pulled too far to the extreme by the extreme leftists. And yeah. we always find that the extremists on either side are very, very similar. Yeah. Honestly, I think, so I argue this all the time. I'm a very mm. moderate, um, yeah. but I've like literally been in conversations with friends where one's on the left and one's on the right and they're screaming at each other. And I'm just mm. sitting there like, you guys want the same things. Like, yeah, yeah, yes, that's so true. Yeah. Which, um, so it's, it's a difference on how to get there, but yes, that reminds yes, me of, yes. I saw yeah. a, a meme or a quote or something the other day, uh, whatever you want to call it, but it said that it was like discussions are always best because if you're having an argument, you're trying to decide who is right. And if you're having a discussion, you're trying to decide what is right. Mm. So like a discussion mm. is actually like trying to find that middle ground of like, how do we compromise? Whereas if you're yeah. having an argument, you're trying to decide which one of you is correct, which neither yeah. of you are. Like I conflict resolution with elementary school kids, like yelling at each other. And I'm like, okay, what's your side of the story? Great. What's your side of the story? Great. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Neither of you yes. are right. That yes. is your perspective because that's the life you've lived and it's how you perceived whatever happened. But my perspective of the world is not truth because yeah. it is just my perspective. But the truth is like floating out here in the middle of everybody else's perspective. And our job is to try to find like as close to the truth as we can to help the most amount of people. That's that's humanity, right? Yes. Um, yeah. We can apply okay, so that to like. So we can apply that to like weight loss and nutrition too. Like the people yeah. who say it's all about the calories, and the other people are saying it's all about the hormones and the nutrient quality. I'm like, well, it, it's not only about either thing. It's somewhere in the middle. You got to consider yeah. both sides, right? For sure. Like whenever there's an either or, it's usually both or yep. elements of both. Uh, the world is very much gray area. Nothing yes. is black and white. Yes. It's all shades of gray, which sure. also as a nerdy art kid, black and white don't exist. They are both just shades of gray. <laughs> 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 so, um, okay. I'm also going to have you answer this last question. Okay. Um, just because it's a good question and I want to cool. know, but I'll answer first since it's my question. Okay. What do you love most about yourself? Um, and I would say for me, it is my open heart and caring about the people in the world and just love. Hmm. I like that. Um, it's funny. I don't even know if I feel comfortable using the word love to say that I love somebody about myself. It's funny, huh? Yeah. You got to work on that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I guess 
the thing that, that comes top of mind is it kind of goes back to what we were how we initially got in contact over instagram like i'm always willing to be proven wrong like mm. i'm always willing to be proven wrong like i am not the authority i am whatever i see is not the be all end all like the way that we like had basically we had a discussion right mm -hmm. so most people who disagree with me put it in a way that makes me instantly block them like instantly block no i'm not going to be able to interact with you at all but yep. you approached me in a way that made me realize oh yeah you know what like she's right i really did not properly explain myself in this post like that was absolutely a fair comment and the way that you said it um was um i thought very very great it was very classy like we i even sent you a message afterwards saying thank you for the dis thank you for the discussion i never ever had this kind of interaction on instagram like ever it's just trolls basically half the time yeah so let me just close my window to somebody outside <laughs> so i block people every day i've blocked hundreds of people in the last few years probably close to a thousand people i've blocked because I've got no patience for anybody um, who is clearly not willing to have a discussion. Um, but if somebody is, and whether they're agreeing with me or they're saying, hey, Daniel, I think you're wrong in this way, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen for sure because I just, I want what I'm saying to be accurate and for it to be helpful to as many people as possible. And if that means acknowledging that I made a mistake, fuck it, I'll do that. That's fine. I think, and I think that is such a brilliant quality because, I mean, going back to the last thing we said, nobody's right. Nobody's 100% no. no. right. And having the ability to say, first of all, if you're wrong, if you fuck up, like if it's that bad, like having to be able to say like my bad, like I messed yeah. up. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes for like professional, that goes for things you say online, that goes mm. but relationships like being able to say i'm sorry is huge in relationships yeah. and mm. like and not just say it but actually mean it and actually yeah. have that that introspection to say okay so like i like i was the asshole in this situation my bad mm -hmm. um but i think that's that's a brilliant quality to have so i'm glad that you love that about yourself because kudos Keep it up. Thank um, you. There are there are people who not only can have discussions, but nerd out a little bit too much about having discussions with complete strangers all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything uh, that you want to throw out there that people you want people to know about? Um, where they can reach you? I'll put it also. It'll be in the show notes as well. Cool. Um, um, yeah, I guess you can follow me. Um, I'm mostly active on um, Instagram. My account is um, Rosentrain, R-O-S-E-N-T-R-A-I-N. -E um, I did start posting on TikTok, but I can't handle the comment section. So I don't go on TikTok um, until they manage to figure that out. Um, yeah, I've got some blog posts up, but I don't write enough blogs. So yeah, but Instagram is where I'm most active and if you send me a DM, please be patient with me. I'm like 50 DMs behind in replying to people. I, I do try to reply to everybody. So yeah, if you want to ask me a question or reach out to me for anything, just yeah, send me a DM and I will reply hopefully this month. 
that that's my goal <laughs> but like, yeah, i do try to reply to everybody um all right it's just sometimes hard. yeah yeah perfect so if you if you are someone who is looking for a sustainable weight loss approach reach out to daniel um he's fantastic I, I can vouch for him in the sense that I've sat here for a little over an hour and talked to him. So thank you so much. Shit, let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then for everyone else, for me, um, if I mean, reach out in my DMs. Um, if you want to be on the show, if you want to have a real human conversation, please reach out. Um, Honor is still out by CS Phoenix. That is my poetry book about my journey through trauma and healing and the second book will be coming out soon so keep your eyes open i'll let you guys know for sure um other than that thank you for joining us on common humanity and having a real human conversation daniel it was fabulous to have you and we'll thank see you, so you much, guys Andrew. next time